Welcome to this pop-up podcast series, Magic and Mayhem. Discover the secrets to creating magnificent books for kids and teens. I hope you've been a bit inspired and motivated listening to this series so far. If you're new to us, Magic and Mayhem is a free podcast and ebook series brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, one of the world's leading centres for writing courses with students from all over the world. If you're interested in writing for kids and teens, join us on this journey that's set to inspire and enhance your own writing skills. You can download your free ebook called Magic and Mayhem at magicandmayhem.com.au. It's an awesome resource that has a lot of the tips and techniques that are featured from the authors in this podcast series. Download yours for free at magicandmayhem.com.au. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm founder of The Centre. This episode, we're talking to Rachel Craw. She's an award-winning author of YA, young adult, fiction. Her Spark trilogy has been hugely popular and even has its own Spark Army hashtag. Rachel also teaches drama in New Zealand, where she's from. Her latest book, The Rift, was released in 2018. When Alison Tate from the Australian Writers' Centre spoke with her, Rachel revealed that the initial idea for Spark came from a dream. But more than that, because no one wants to hear just a dream, you know, boring, more than that, Rachel started asking questions and working her way through the story. And so her trilogy and her successful writing career were born. Rachel Craw is a New Zealand-based author of young adult science fiction. Her debut novel, Spark, the first in a trilogy, was published in 2014 by Walker Books Australia and was shortlisted for the Silver Inky Awards and the Children's Choice Awards for YA in the New Zealand Book Awards and was optioned for film. The sequel, Stray, won the Children's Choice Award for 2016 and the third book, Shield, was released in September 2016. So, welcome to the program, Rachel. Hi, thank you, Alison. All right, so let's talk about where all this started. Was Spark Mm. the first manuscript you ever wrote? Yeah, uh, before Spark, I'd only ever written poetry or scripts um, for either amateur theatre or um, uh, indie film, you know, diddling about. Um, And so I'd never attempted long-form writing, and I I think primarily that's because I always doubted that I had – the inner fortitude to see it through. Mm. Uh, I was, I just thought the idea was very intimidating and, um, and because I'm such an impatient person, very, very impatient person. Um, I like things that happen quickly. And so <laughs> the idea of attempting to write a novel just seemed like something uh, sort of pie in the sky, you know, so far out of my reach. Um, but when it, the idea got its hooks into me and I, and I finally started I guess I realized I had massively underestimated myself and um, and also probably massively underestimated my slightly obsessive compulsive personality. And so once it had hold of me, there was no letting go and I had to see it through. So, um, yeah, I think it was perhaps the, the actual story itself that forced me into it. All right. So, so yeah. where did the idea for the book come from and why did you think, oh, this is a novel and not a, you know – um, yeah. not, not a script or a short story yeah. or a poem or whatever. 
Um, I don't know. I think there might have been a few things going on. Uh, one of them was probably hormones. I just had my baby and I think I was probably out of my mind. <laughs> that helps, yeah. So I was like, my baby was only a couple of months old and I wasn't probably getting a lot of sleep. And <laughs> so my hormones were probably all over the place. But I was also very um, – uh, I guess the creative urge was very, very strong. And so I've always sort of had that, um, it's almost like a physical itch or something that hits you and you just have to do something creative. And, and that was very intense and very strong at that period of time. And I knew that I wanted to write. And and so I was thinking, and then I was just thinking, oh, well, what about, you know, maybe I could have a go, you know, mm. <laughs> have a go at writing a story. And I mean, but there were lots of things that I kind of instinctively knew within myself that if I was going to write, that I would probably want to write for young adults, that I would want to write something that had a a slightly fantastical element to it, um, that I wanted a, that I would want to write a female protagonist, um, that I would want it to kind of be a bit sort of kick ass, you know, um, but I didn't have a premise. I didn't have that big, you know, that big idea to, to sort of land it all of it. Um, and so I can remember one night sitting on my bed and, and actually praying and saying, God, give me an idea. And, and I was sort of thinking, cause you hear stories about people who, um, whose ideas just arrive almost fully formed or, um, like the twilight lady have, she had a dream about a girl and a vampire having a conversation in a field. And I think, I don't know if I've got this wrong, but JK Rowling, I think she might've been writing the tube and Mm. then, and the idea just sort of arrived in her head, this idea of this boy wizard. And, and I'd read so many of those kinds of sort of articles and thinking, well, where's my idea? (laughs) I am right here. (laughs) I'm ready to go. Where's my idea? And so that night I prayed and I was like, I need an idea. Go give me an idea. I went to sleep and I had a dream and the dream, I just woke up and I knew that that was my idea. And so the dream is actually the prologue of spark. So, which is literally the dream that I had of running through the forest, being super fast, having these crazy reflexes and stamina and, um, and sort of senses. And, uh, and I knew that I was racing through the forest and that I was trying to get to somebody, that somebody was out there in the dark alone and in danger, that their life was in danger. And I just had this tremendous sense of urgency and instinct that I had to get to them first before somebody else did. Mm. And if I didn't, that they would be killed and it would be my responsibility. I would have let that happen. And, and that was just this tremendously unbearable feeling in the dream. And I, and this racing and racing to get to the person. And then when I woke up, um, sort of heart racing, <laughs> you mm. know, heart racing in this dream, I was like, wow, I think that's my idea. And so I actually got up to feed my baby in the dark. Um, and I was sitting in the, in the, in the feeding chair and my brain was racing and, and natural, it was just this natural process of, of question and answer. So, the dream just brought up so many questions of, and I was thinking, well, you know, why was I so fast? Like, what about all those crazy reflexes and strength and stamina? Like what, where does that come from? And I knew in that moment that it was actually a decision I was making about the story. It's like, well, this is either magic or it's science. You know, it's either, Mm. either I've been, you know, a, a wizard has tapped me on the head or, or I don't know, maybe I'm a vampire or maybe, or maybe it's something that's been cooked up in a lab. And the feeling of the dream was very much sort of like comic book adventure story. And so 
I, I felt like, oh, this is something that's been cooked up in a lab by a mad scientist. And so then I just kept on asking more questions, like, so why, who was in trouble? Why were they in trouble? Why was it my responsibility? Why the sense of urgency? All those kinds of things. And then, and then this secret organization starts coming to mind and so when did you actually start writing the book? Like, did you sort of get up the next day and start yeah. cranking out words? Yeah, literally. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I got up and um, and just got stuck into it. And um, and it was very, yeah, I, I just, yeah, it was like a sort of fever. <laughs> so how long did it take <laughs> you to, um, to draft that? How long did it take you to write that, that um, first book? Probably, okay, well, uh, mm. So the the first draft probably only took me about three or four months okay. to write, yeah. but I mean it was just a heaving hot mess. So mm. <laughs> as just, they do, as you can imagine, it was just the most horrific, great lumbering beast of a thing. You know, I didn't even you know know its own shape, and so. In that I spent, so that might have been the first draft, but it took five years to make it, to make it palatable. Okay. And also I had to really learn how to write. You know, I didn't really, I mean, other than what I was, you know, had, had done my whole life, I, I really, I had no training. I had no, um, I had not um, applied, you know, craft to the work. And so that was a, a massive learning curve and, and yeah. Learning to write. <laughs> so, what year did you start the? Did you actually start writing the manuscript? You said your your was that your first baby that was that was a, a newborn or was that was it? my no, she was my third baby. So, okay. um, so she is now eight years old. Okay. So that is how that is how old Spark is now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And was it mm. always going to be a trilogy? Or yes, yeah, yeah. That was definitely that was another thing that I knew before oh. I started was that okay. I would want to write a series because. I loved series as a child, like the reading, you know, I loved series. Like I, we have talked previously about Trixie Belden. Like, so I love that revisiting old friends and revisiting old characters mm. and, and going, returning to a world that you, that you know and love. And so I was, I had already decided that whatever I wrote, it would be a series purely for the simple pleasure of returning to a world that I love and characters that I love. So, yeah, there was I was intending, yeah, okay. from the beginning. All right. And so did you write all three books before you sort of tried to sell the first one or what did you do with that? Um, so in the process, so once I had my first draft for Spark cooking, I got to a natural – I got to a point where I just realised I don't know how to make this better. Like okay. I don't know how – I don't know – how to be a better writer. I don't know how to make this better. And so obviously realized that I needed some external help. Um, and, and so then I started looking up uh, manuscript assessors and things like that. And so once I had an, I got myself an assessor um, and started going down that process of putting my work, you know, into the hands of someone else and receiving feedback to, pr- to preserve my sanity for the waiting in between, so it would go away and be away for, you know, several weeks where I, I wasn't in my hands. To keep myself sane, I just started writing the next book because it was yeah. just unbearable to not be doing anything. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, just as out of, purely out of to save my, my sanity, I just started writing Stray. So, um, so Spark and Stray, the very first early drafts, were essentially written in the same year. Okay. Um, and then as I started, 
getting feedback back and forth with my assessor um, for Spark, um, then I just started putting my energy into really developing Spark and, and, and making it um, palatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I, um, I, I went from my assessor to a mentor, and I worked with a mentor for probably about nine months, uh, from about like February to November. That was Chris Else. And um, Chris uh, mentored me through that rewrite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, by the end of that, he and uh, Barbara, who had been Barbara, his wife, who was my assessor, um, they offered to represent me and become my agents oh, at the end okay. of that right. period of time. Okay. So so when they they began pitching it, um, I, I had a, com- a completed draft for Spark and I had – a first draft of Stray, and I had um, about 50 pages of, of Shield, um, okay. um, but was was still a formless, you know, a formless void. <laughs> so had you outlined the three books at any stage, or were was were you sort of creating everything as you as you wrote? Um, yeah, so I'm probably. Uh, f- uh, fairly, I would I would say that I was a pantser, yeah. um, but I guess my plotting is sort of happening internally, you know, like sort of happening inside me. So as I was writing Spark, I knew where I wanted it to end, and I knew what I wanted, the main events of what I wanted to happen, mm-hmm. but I was not certain about ha- the route to get there, and it was just sort of, you know, feeling my way towards it. And the same with Stray. I had a, a main idea. I knew what I wanted to happen. I wasn't sure how I would get there. Um, and shield was actually a complete mystery. And so I just pretended that I knew what I wanted to happen, but I didn't oh, know what I wanted to happen. So you didn't know how it was all going to end. Well, I had a main idea. So like the, the titles of the books are actually, um, roles of characters in the story. Right. So there's a spark, there's a stray and there's a shield. Yeah. Um, and, so each story is a complete story in its own. Um, um, but, yeah, so w- with S.H.I.E.L.D., I knew what I wanted for my ultimate outcome. Yeah. But that story was a mystery to me. And so, yeah, wow. I had to write write that from scratch in one year. But um, that was did you find quite having, fun, actually. I, I was going to say, did you find having a debt? Because I'm assuming by then the, the series had sold – and so mm. you've got a deadline and you have to write to a market and all of that mm. sort of stuff. Was that more difficult, do you think? Uh, Stray was my hardest book to write. The middle, um, the middle's the middle the book. Hardest. But I also feel it's probably my best book. Like yeah. I, it nearly killed me. <laughs> yeah. It nearly destroyed me. But I think it's probably my best work in terms of uh, what I accomplished in the plot and, and what it, I think I accomplished in my writing. But primarily that's because, like, so, you know, Stray sat there for years untended because I was putting all of my energy into Spark and getting it, getting Spark up to scratch. And so when once, you know, Spark was out in the universe and now I had one year to get Stray ready to go to print and – it was very, very, I guess, intimidating in the sense that I had this pre-existing manuscript 
but it had been years since I had looked at it. And so my writing had changed so much. Mm. You know, I had, I had changed so much. My writing had changed so much. The plot had changed so much. So it was a massive, massive job mm. rewriting it. And I felt, I felt really bound to it. Like I didn't feel uh, – in some ways I wish that I'd had the courage to just sort of bin it and start from scratch. Mm. But it was like a safety blanket, but it was also kind of millstone. You yeah. know, like it was yeah, just I this, do. this terrible millstone as well. But in saying that, you know, magic, of course, happens. <laughs> like in the rewrite, it was just – it was magical and horrific and you know, all of those kinds of things. And, oh, dear. And so it was during the rewrite, you know, a whole new character came uh, came into the story and then just destroyed everything and, and took over. And, and it was great. And um, and so, you know, it's stuff that I could never have planned for. And, uh, and so that was – it was very, very hard – but intensely satisfying by the completion. And whereas S.H.I.E.L.D., um, even that 50 pages that I had written way back had to be um, ditched because of all the changes that had been made, so they were Mm. no longer relevant, like even the characters weren't even in it anymore that were in that first 50 pages. And so essentially I did write S.H.I.E.L.D. from scratch, you know, draft and, and, and bring it to completion in one year. But it was... It was so much easier. It was so much easier than Stray because I didn't, I wasn't bound to anything. And so I just had sort of wild freedom. And so it was actually um, a a lot, a lot easier. It was just a lot easier to write and fun. And yeah, it was good. So do you have have an elevator pitch for the the series? Like, how do you, when people ask you what it's about, do you want to hit us with your elevator pitch? Uh, when I talk about Spark, I say it's a story about a 17-year-old girl who discovers that she has been genetically engineered to save a life and fall in love, but the chances of surviving either are against her. Oh, <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, that's how I sum it up. <laughs> All right, excellent. And why do you write YA? Like you said, you know, that you knew, knew before mm. you even started writing your novel that you it would be YA. Why, why is um, that the case? Is that what you like then, to read? Back then, I would have said it's because I'm an English teacher and I teach young adults, and so ah. that's my, that's my the people that I was that I'm with, or the people that I was with all the time. But I don't know. In retrospect, I don't actually know if that. that I think that's par- partly true. Mm-hmm. I actually think, um, I think it probably I, I'm, it fits me. Like I mm. am interested in all of those YA things and I'm very interested in storytelling from a YA perspective and I think mainly um I think the biggest appeal for me in YA is that age being on the cusp of life Mm. and that tremendous sense of possibility that anything could happen and also all the firsts all the falling in love for the first time or heartbreak or um or you know, experiencing the world for the first time as an adult and that shift from responsibility from childhood into adulthood and hmm. um, all of that kind of stuff I just love. And I, I think it is full of – it's just ripe with story and um, ripe with drama, ripe with conflict, and um, it's a, a great platform for exploring character for exploring the world so yeah so the books are written in first person which which I tend to think of as a very YA voice like a lot of the YA that I read is first person why do you think that's the case 
Uh, that's a good question. I actually wrote the I actually wrote the entire all of my stuff in in um in third person Ooh. and past tense. Or was it first person past tense? I can't remember. No, it was might have it was first person past tense. Anyway, it was in the very last six months before it went to print, and I had written a short story um, in first person present tense, and the it's so full of urgency mm. and immediacy. I was like, oh my gosh, I need the whole book to be in first person present tense. I don't need, actually, maybe it was just the thrill of writing at a different tense after mm. so many years of writing in, in past tense and stuff. And so I just said to my editor, look, I, I said, look, I, I did it without telling her. I wrote, I just, um, I guess, transcribed the first three chapters mm. of Spark and sent it to her look and said, I, I really feel like this is the voice that I want for the story. I reckon I could do this in a couple of weeks. And she was open to it. She read it and she's like, yeah, I love it. Let's do that. And so then I just changed the whole thing. Wow. So for me, I think probably the best thing about that voice is urgency and immediacy. Yeah. And um, and I really like a uh, – I like to be in the head. I like to be in the head of the person and I like to write that sort of visceral experience of being in – the person's head so it suits me okay what do you think is the most difficult thing to get right when you're writing YA oh that's a good question I suppose voice um is probably yeah I I think I'm you know one of the because I'm originally all my writing uh, was really script based and dialogue based before I started writing um you know novels mm. Um, authentic voice really meant a lot to me. And so what, the first thing that will put me off as a reader is wooden dialogue or, you know, that lack of an authentic voice. Mm. And, um, and so that's something that turns me off immediately or that I won't believe that that's a teenager or I won't believe that that's sincere or real. And so um, I do think voice is the key. And so I think – you know, if you're going to write in first person, then voice is in the head as well. You know what I mean? And mm. so it's it's that internal processing voice as well as the spoken voice has to be authentic. Mm. Um, but then I think a mistake that can often be made in the attempt at YA is to sound like a teenager, and which yeah. only ever comes across as condescending yeah. or, or you know, it just never sounds real. And so mm. I think you actually have to believe you, or you actually have to respect the people that you're writing for. Mm. And so when you're a young adult, what you think and what you say and what you do, you know, you are fully in it and you fully believe it and you fully own it. And mm. <laughs> so yeah. I think, yeah, the attempt to kind of, I don't know, to, I don't know, to sound like a teenager is yeah. just immediately doesn't work. It just has yeah. to, it's not right, yeah. Okay. So um, as a writer based in New Zealand, did you, mm. did you immediately go, when, when you went to sort of publishers with Spark, did you go to Australian publishers? Did you start with the New Zealand industry? Did you go overseas? What did you do? How did it, how did it come about? Uh, well, my agents, Chris and Barbara Else, they were the ones who advised me and they said, look, this is what we could do. So they gave me three options. They said um, we could take it to an, a New Zealand publisher um, and Chris had already spoken to a couple of people who were interested and he said, I reckon we could take it here and I can get pretty much guarantee you that we would have a publisher. 
Um, he said, or um, we could take a leap and um, pitch it to some Australian publishers and they listed a few people that they thought might be interested in it. Um, or the third option was that um, we part company and I look for an American agent and attempt to publish overseas, you right. know, attempt attempt to find an American agent uh, because they didn't have the, the connections to be able to to take it directly to uh, an American market. And, yeah. um, and so I felt... Because it's actually I, set in the US, right? Yes, yeah. Yes. And that's very much based on the dream. Like it was yeah. very much that feeling of being in like a, in like a comic book, you yeah. know, and it felt very American to me. Um, and so I felt very young and inexperienced and totally clueless. <laughs> It's right. like I have no idea how to do any of those things. So, like, the idea of me running off and finding an American agent at that time seemed so beyond the scope of my fathoming. Like, I just said no. Like, I just don't even know how to do that, which is, you know, I was foolish and I, maybe I should have done that. I don't know. Um, but I was – I felt like I had a really great relationship with Barbara and Chris and, um, and so I really trusted them and I do really trust them and so I said, well, let's – let's I choose door number two, you know. Okay. So <laughs> that was what we went with and so – All right. So you took it they, to they – you went to Australian publishers with it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so you mentioned on your website um, – that you really enjoy the public side of writing, like you like workshops and speaking at festivals and in schools and all that yeah, sort of thing. Have you definitely. always liked that or is that something that's developed in the last couple of years, you know, as you've done more of it? Um, I Well, because I'm a, a teacher by profession, so it's really sort of natural. It's a very natural extension of, mm-hmm. of my skill set to be able to – be in a classroom or to speak um, in public, and so um, yeah, no, it was easy. It was not, not easy. That's a maybe overkill. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just natural. It was natural. It was natural, and so uh, and I really enjoy it. And uh, and because you know I you know when I I started writing and I, I had my baby. I was at home for, um, you know, four years or whatever it was uh, with my, my little girl and, um, and, and I chose to write full time at that time because I could. And, um, and at the end of that, you know, so that's a long time out of the classroom. And so I missed, I really missed it. And so when, you know, being published afforded me the opportunity to go places and, and be in, in a classroom setting or be in a, in a public speaking setting, it was great. I just loved it. It was like, wow, come out of my cave and look at people. So <laughs> are you great. working as a teacher still now? Well, I actually just this month um, signed a contract for a teaching position at um, our local high school to have to teach part-time drama, um, oh, just two classes. Fine. So it gives me – time in classroom but it also give me writing time um so that's been an amazing really timely perfect moment for me to be able to do that so yeah it's good do you think because I think that a lot of um particularly YA authors um you know YA audiences can be quite intimidating if you're not used to them um so mm. do you have any tips for you know, perhaps uh, aspiring YA authors who who might be developing workshops or, you know, might be new to speaking at schools and festivals and things of the best way to approach it? Gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I, yes, I don't find young people intimidating. So That's because uh, you're used to them. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, that's true. That is true. Um, I just think totally be yourself. Be really well prepared. Yeah. Um, relax. And you, you don't have to be clever or, or funny or entertaining. You just need to be authentic and real and down to earth. And um, so, yeah, I think, you know, you don't have to go in and start telling jokes or, or being – or being. you don't have to go and entertain them. You you just need to go and be real and engage and, and treat them with respect. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I think people respond to authenticity, you know. And so if – People, if you put it on a fake show, people, kids will just see right through you. So, I think, but be 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 organised. Yeah, be, <laughs> be prepared. prepared. Be prepared for actually, everything. Actually, have something to say. Um, you know, so yeah. yeah. Um, you're also active on social media, which is of, of course where we connected, and you in fact have yeah. your own Spark Army hashtag, which I really <laughs> love. Um, which of you know, I, I've seen you on Instagram and Twitter, um, probably most obviously. Mm. But what's your mm. favorite platform as a YA author? Ah, uh, Twitter for sure. Okay. Yeah. Twitter is so immediate. Like it's so much fun. And I mean, before I was published, um, I mean, I was, I'm on Facebook, um, but that was really it. But I mean, I am, I am sort of, I'm quite sort of wired for social media and I am quite, I have quite an addictive personality. Um, So I was like steering clear of too much social media, but of course now it's my entire life. Like I'm constantly online, but. And now you can um, call it your job, right? Yeah. Now I can, now I can justify it. But, um, so my, my (laughs) mark, the marketing team at Walker were like, okay, Rach, you know, you should really get online. You should get on Twitter. You should have a website and I'm like, oh guys, I just don't know this is a good idea. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Once I go down this path, <laughs> it's I all may over. never come back. Uh, and of course that's been true. So I was right. <laughs> so, so it's having an active readership because of course one of the bonuses I think of writing YA is that ability to reach your readership because your readership is mm. there with you as opposed yeah. to say writing middle grade or for you know younger children where you're not Yeah, your that's a true readers. that's a yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Is it is it is do you see it as one of the bonuses of writing YA? Is that immediacy oh, of touching I, readers? I love it. So to speak. I love it. Yeah, no, I totally love it. And because I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, maybe and maybe it's different if you're writing for adults, um it's not the same way. Whereas Whereas when you're writing for young adults, the reaction is so natural and so visceral, mm. and so it, and it's not filtered. People give you unfiltered reactions, and they engage with you, I guess, really honestly. Mm. And so, I I love it. I absolutely love it. And so it's very very fun. And because I am um, like you know, I know a lot of authors who really struggle with social media and who who see like having to have a social media presence as just this great burden and it's just very, very hard work and that and I have never felt like that. It's very, very natural for me. I, you know, I'm, I don't have much of a filter anyway. What's in my head, it just comes out and <laughs> I'm not quite too worried about, I'm not too worried about being clever or I'm trying to be impressive. I just, and so social media is a very fun place for me because 
it's about having a bit of a laugh, you know, finding a good meme, you know, having a joke, sharing great things that I love, you know. So it's very lighthearted, very easy, requires zero energy from me. Like I don't, I don't think, oh, no, I better go online and, and say something meaningful or, oh, no, I better go and post something so that people will, you know, like I don't even think about it. It just happens. So it, it works really, really well for me. Suits my personality and all of that kind of thing. So – as someone who's only kind of recently, like it's only the last couple of years that you've really got into it, what what do you mm. think? Like, have you got a tip for a new YA author who's starting out on social media? Oh, I think just have fun and be really engaging and don't hesitate to connect with people. And mm. um, like, especially with Twitter, like people get on Twitter and they're like, oh, I don't know how to actually get followers. I don't know how to say anything. Well, just keep posting and keep following and keep commenting and all of those kinds of things. But I think... Uh, primarily for me is is that I'm actually looking for engagement. I think the worst thing you can do is just get on there and, and be bashing people over the head with your book. You mm, know? <laughs> like, so true. And so people just like not interested. It's like the worst. It's just the worst. And we know what it's like when people follow us and then they send you a direct message saying, you might like to look at my book. Or yeah, da, no. da, da, da. I'm like, you yeah, know, mate, I don't. Yeah, no. Thanks, um, thanks, but no thanks. And now I, and now I really don't, you know, yeah, <laughs> since yeah. you've done that. So I think, yeah, I just think looking for authentic engagement and, um, you know, it's really as simple as finding people who are like-minded. These are the things that I'm into. What are you into? Chat about those things and um, and have fun with it. And uh, I think that's a very simple way. And so because now I, my, I, I have so many readers who follow me, so when I'm sharing things, like if I am in doing any sort of blatant promotion or sharing things about my book, I'm doing it because I have people who are interested and who actually want to know. Mm. <laughs> Which so, is helpful. Yes. And so it's my obligation. I'm like, okay, well, you know, my readers want to know what's happening and um, and, and what's going on. And so it's a great way to do that. But it's not the, the – it can't be the only reason that you're doing it because then it just becomes soulless and depressing, you know? Yeah. So you have three daughters. Um, do I you do. find uh, fitting? I mean, the youngest one of whom is eight. I think we discussed. Yeah. yeah. So, do you find fitting in the writing difficult at times? Like, are you juggling sort of that family writing work mm. balance? Um. Yeah. I mean, it is. It is tricky. But it, it, I've been very blessed, really, to be able to, um, especially with the first the first books being able to write full time and be look, I've been supported by my husband mm. um, and we've just gotten by, you know mm. what I mean? Like we yeah. just sort of make, make do we've made do and we've gotten by and I've had a very sympathetic and a very, very supportive husband, but it hasn't always been easy. Uh, certainly not right in the midst of those, you know, three books in three years, intense deadlines. So we had, um, you know, we missed two Christmases. We missed um, where we just didn't go away. I couldn't go away, you know, had to just mm. stay at home. We've stayed home a lot. Um, yeah, for sure. And there have been a lot of, you know, weekends where I'm stuck in the office and Ian has to be solo parent. Mm. Um, but, um We've gotten by, and the kids are very gracious, and my husband's been very gracious about it. And but it all kind of balances out in the wash. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, like now, you know, we we you know, I come out of my cave. Yeah. <laughs> I make eye contact. You're allowed we have out conversation. Now. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed yeah, out. We now. do that. All right. Well, um, um, yeah, let's finish up for today. Mm. Sorry. Mm. 
no, I was just saying, you know, there is a cost to yeah, to to doing this, and but we get by. But now, you know, working part time and teaching, uh, teaching and writing, trying to make those two things work together, I'm experimenting with that. <laughs> See how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's finish up for today with our, you know, world famous three top tips for aspiring authors. What have you got for us? Um, uh, well, it might be anything new. This is the depressing thing about top tips is that they are top tips because they're all true. Mm, very <laughs> so true. read, 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 read. Uh, there's just really no other um, way around it. You can't be a good writer without being a, a keen reader. And um, I always say, say, read the best, you know. So look for, I think, what the whatever genre or whatever um category that you're writing in look for who is killing it look for who is doing amazing in that genre Uh, look who has done amazingly in that genre historically read their work and and set the benchmark high for yourself um I don't know that's kind of one and two together Mm -hmm. um my third probably the best thing that you can do is learn to receive criticism Mm. Um, and that is probably the linchpin for actually developing your craft is learning to receive criticism and letting it make you better <laughs> rather than destroying you and rolling up in a ball and running away. Yes. I think definitely that's probably been the best thing about. So my, this is what, well, this is my probably thing that I always say in every interview that I've ever given. And this is the, this is the solid truth. I wanted to be good more than I wanted to be published. And mm. I really wanted to be published. And so, you know, I wanted to be good more than I wanted to be published. And so I think, you know, having that dedication to your craft means that you have to be willing to take your medicine. (laughs) You have to be willing to swallow the hard truth Mm. and, um, and do the work. So, yeah. So true. That's probably not. That's probably not a very cheerful thing to say. No, to I think it's. I, I, you know, you know, if you've ever listened to me or you know whatever, you would know that mm. I am across that, and I totally agree mm. with you. I think it's a really, really great piece of advice. All mm. right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Rachel. Best of luck with um with the trilogy. I hope it goes gangbusters, and um, <laughs> I will you know look forward to seeing you online. Great. Thanks, Alison. It's been wonderful. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, and I'm the internationally published best-selling author of two epic adventure series, The Mapmaker Chronicles and The Ataban Cipher. My books are available in Australia, the US, the UK and other territories, and are perfect for young readers aged nine or older. Find out more about me and my books at alisontate.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T dot com. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our course, Build Your Author Platform, will give you a step-by-step blueprint on the exact steps you need to take to ensure that you build your profile and, of course, ultimately sell more books. Created by author Alison Tate, the course covers what you must have on your website, how to use social media effectively, what you need to do to get more readers, how to take your platform offline and into the real world, like speaking at festivals and book clubs, and how to create an engaged community that will help you to spread the word about your book. And you'll discover why it's so important to do this even before you've finished writing your novel. So get started now before it's too late. Plus, because it's one of our on-demand courses, you'll get instant access and learn at your own pace with 12 months access to all course materials. 
Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash platform. You have to be willing to take your medicine. I love that. That's so true. There are so very few writers who can just be brilliant on their own. You have to learn to take criticism, that's for sure. Rachel's quite special in that her first manuscript went on to be published and quite become quite successful. But as you heard, she'd already been honing her craft as a poet and playwright, so she wasn't completely new to writing. Another thing she said which really stuck with me was that she wanted to be good more than she wanted to be published. Yes, you have to have the drive to see you through the publication journey, but first and foremost, you have to write a cracking good book, and that's exactly what she did. You've been listening to Magic and Mayhem with the Australian Writers' Centre. Join our writing community. It might be the tribe you're looking for. Go to writerscentre.com.au and sign up to our weekly newsletter. 